Welcome back to a new episode of Supporting Local with Karis and Karis Lunders and today I spoke to Lucy from the Irish Saddler. Now she crafts luxury leather goods and we spoke about some of the very shocking things that she has had to make. What cheap leather is actually made from and it's not nice and also how to become a saddler. So do go over and have a little look at her website and everything all linked down below and let's go chat to her. The whole idea sprung from me working at Torella Beach uh, as a polo groom. The guy I was working for, a friend of his, had been given a box of sheepskins. And he had said, oh, could you make a seat saver for my saddle? You're just to save the old bum. <laughs> and I had sort of maybe fixed a few rugs with an old sacking needle. And I thought to myself, oh, maybe I could. Because I'd always been horsey mad, always been really interested yeah. in tack and things like that. And made this seat saver. And my God, it was horrendous when I look back on it now I was like what was I thinking but it just laid a wee seed yeah. in my head that it was a possibility to do something like that and as time went on and I went through different jobs I suddenly realized I was trying to make everybody else's dreams come true and that wasn't necessarily making my life a great thing you know you talk about mental health you know at that yeah. point it was a bit low it's so funny because I remember one day I just typed it into Google how to become a saddler and of course the first thing that pops up is going to this college in England and I was like oh no going to England no <laughs> spending all this money oh no but in the end that's what happened okay you know worked three jobs for about two years trying to earn the money to go oh, flew over and that was literally day one of my new life but it's one of those things that if I think about how I've lived my life and how differently it could have been had it done anything other than happened that way it never would have happened it was just meant to be I think it got me to where I am now <laughs> amazing so do you have to go to England then we don't have anything here or even so, in the Republic of Ireland yeah so to be a saddler as such and qualify within the city and guilds which okay. is sort of the exam body yeah. exams through the Society of Master Saddlers you pretty much have to go to England whether it be that college in particular or okay. whether it's a training centre there's two or three training centres you can go to it also can be a case of say for example one of my other routes for staying on the island of Ireland to learn would have been through an apprenticeship Okay, but as I say apprenticeships very difficult subject for a lot of people because yeah. obviously there's a lot of cost and a lot of people see it as a threat that if you train someone that they're immediately going to have a business as good as you tomorrow which yeah. is not true sorry guys I don't care what way you want to frame that but there was that way of doing it but you could also have been stuck in the back room of a saddler however well intentioning they were yeah. and be fixing rugs for six months whereas whenever you go through the training centers or the college it is a syllabus sort of guided journey of learning you have things that you have to qualify in and pass to be able to go on to the next section whereas probably if you were doing that as an apprenticeship it would have been a bit looser a bit wilder but then by the added benefit of that being an apprentice is you get to see how somebody runs a business whether yeah. it be good or not I don't know <laughs> but those are sort of the main two options of what you can do it's one of those things it'll suit some people to do one thing and not the other so if anybody is listening thinking about becoming a saddler don't think it's the end of the world yes. <laughs> for goodness sake there's plenty of ways forward if I can do it they can do it no bother <laughs> as a saddler how do you come up with different products I assume yeah. you start very horsey based but I know 
you've expanded mm-hmm. to like belts and bags and different yeah, things. So yeah. kind of, mm-hmm. what was that like? Did you always want to branch out? Or? I think when I started to make things, horsey stuff, for example, is ancient. Okay. It has been here as long as we've farmed the land nearly and equipment has therefore progressed throughout the ages. But at the same time, it's always got the same vein yeah. of, you know, are you sitting on it? Is it pulling something? Is it, you know, Are you walking beside it? There's a lot of things that if it's not broke, it's not being fixed. I'd say a lot of saddlers have a lot of sense. They don't like making things more complicated yeah, than needs to be. 100%. When it comes to the likes of horse equipment and tack, the main thing that I would do when it comes to making something for someone, it's now looking at having a fitted item made. So everything is sitting nicely. That's not putting pressure on extra nerves. It's in the right position for whatever job that piece of equipment has to do, because obviously that ties into the welfare and our social license to operate, because obviously a lot of people have a lot of issue with people using animals as such. But as I say, until you get to the point where we're doing everything perfectly, then you can start to have that conversation. So when it comes to things like that, there is a history there, but it's now putting in new technologies and equipment we can use to measure the comfort of horse, you know, how they respond, how we want a horse to be. That's how that's gone on. But obviously the horse world's very small compared to the likes of dog owners, for example. It's one of those things, you if you can make a bridle or a harness breastplate, you can make a dog collar, dog lead, a poop bag, you know, it's endless. And in that response, you can also make a belt, handbag, (laughs) curtain tie backs, weightlifters, belts, you know, you can fix boxing gloves. When I say I'm a saddler, what I'm really saying is I have a set of particular skills in leather. Yeah. Because obviously you have the likes of somebody who say, for example, you know, putting skin on the drums, that's very different to what I would do. But when it's a saddler, it's pretty much strap work, buckles, loops, turns, holes, things like that. So don't ask me to make you a pair of lederhosen or something like that. I cannot sew clothes. For the love of God, if anybody's listening here with clothes, don't come to me. Or upholstery, for example. The amount of people that say to me, I have a dodgy sofa. And I say, you need to ring this lady. Don't talk to me. Yeah, keep going. She's a great woman, honestly. I keep her business going well. As I say, if it's items that suit the particular set of skills I have, that's what I do. Do you say I'm a saddler is nearly a bit of a a misnomer at this point because I make pretty much everything but saddles. Amazing. (laughs) So it's a good laugh anyway when some people on the phone. Oh, amazing. So what was the first product that you ever did? You know, was it a bridle? Was it a saddle? Obviously you started with the sheepskin and stuff, but whenever you were Mm -hmm. like, business, let's do it. How did we start? Yeah. So I know leaving college, I was very much wanting to keep things very horsey. So it was pretty much because while I'd left college, I hadn't fully finished the exams that I needed to do. So it was very much pushing on the horsey side, the harnesses especially, because at that point I was pretty much streamlining myself to be a harness maker. Okay. So it was pretty much things for the driving community. And it was one of those things that, of course, all your friends and family talk about, oh, you know, make me a dog collar. So I must have made about 500 dog collars whenever I left college. <laughs> Honestly, if, at that point, if you'd said dog collar to me, I would have wept of not another one. But to be fair, you know, it got me well versed in dog collars yeah. and as I say I can crack one out no bother <laughs> 
But it was one of those things that while I was making so many dog collars, I kept sort of being, oh God, I want to make harness, I want to make harness. Yeah. And now I make everything under the sun. I'm like, oh, a wee dog collar wouldn't do me too bad. Now I just do a wee simple thing to just get out one. the door. Oh, here, there's one of those ones that you just sit down and you don't even have to think about it. It's just automatic pilot. You know, Amazing. you just hash it out. And then there's some people come in and they come in with some ideas and you're just like, oh my God, I'm not, my brain's not switched on for this. What am I doing? <laughs> you know, when you think, oh, but no, it started off quite quickly being dogs. And then of course, Father's Day comes around and everyone and their mother is saying, I need to get the husband the belt or the boyfriend yes. the belt. And I'd say, every man wears a pair of trousers, so every man should have a belt. It's one of the best and easiest Christmas presents to get, especially if you get his initials or something on it. Yeah. Yeah. Men are easy, please, when it comes yes. to the likes of that. Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's such a big thing. And it's funny, like, do you know for belts, it's so easy to go and buy a wee cheap one and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it will do. And then it breaks mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, this is plastic. But well, an actual good belt, I think yeah. boys and almost, well, girls are that, but you cannot like almost well, grow up and you're like, I'm getting yeah. a belt, a proper belt. I think it nearly is one of those things as a rite of passage. Yeah. Do you know, in the way back whenever we used to write on paper with a pen, you used to get a really nice fountain pen for yeah. your birthday or something like that. And I remember there was a guy came in and it was his 18th birthday and his auntie was buying him this really kind of like overly decorative belt, you know, for whatever it was he did. He came in, he picked out the leather, he picked out the buckle, we measured him up, we talked about what he liked, what he didn't like, you know, what sort of thread he wanted. And I remember when he just turned and he was like, are you sure you want to get me this? And she was like, no, no, because this is something you'll have yeah. and you'll always remember it. Because if you think the likes of people watching the repair shop, yeah. people have a real connection with things, especially when there's an emotive notion behind it, whether yeah. it's a family member buying it or you can remember going and talking to the person who made it. And there's times where I've been walking around a show and I've actually heard a customer saying to somebody else, oh, I went and this girl and she brought all the leathers out and she was telling me the difference between this and that. And I'm just like, what better marketing yeah. than somebody doing the work for you? you know, I'm yeah, like, 100%. that is the way forward. But as you say, when it comes to cheapy things, oh, I get really cross because a lot of it is mismarketed yeah. because if you read a belt that says genuine leather, it might not necessarily be what you think it is that yeah. I would be cutting off a hide. A lot of it is it's reformed leather that's okay. made from like leather sawdust and it's reformed. Oh. So that's why it just snaps because there's yeah. nothing there. And as I say, if you're paying under 20 pounds for any leather object, it will not be leather because as I say, the price of leather is just yeah. going up and up and up and the rarity and the processes involved. There are still a lot of cheap imports coming over, but what you're paying for are horrendous conditions for the workers. And as I say, you know, if you want something that's going to last, you want the clean conscious to go with it. Because yeah. I know, obviously, the leather industry, people can take it or leave it. But when you hear about what's happening out in some developing countries, you would weep it's at horrible. how the things that they are put through to earn pennies and people, you know, saying, oh, well, I can get this cheaper because it's from the East. And I said, well, you know, if you can sleep at night, yeah, go for it. You. But I certainly couldn't. No, yeah. no, not, not at all. And I think since becoming a saddler and being in the industry and learning how leather has become what it is in the likes of the UK, Ireland, possibly you in the parts of Europe, it has made me really appreciate good quality materials. And when it comes to the likes of textiles, I am so picky now. I only buy the best. Yeah. And as I say, I buy clothes maybe once every two years because oh, yeah, they same. last, they wear well. And the thing is, people know the quality of it when they see it on you. They go, oh, that is gorgeous. Yeah. And you go, yeah, it's actually five years old. And they're like, 
what? Yeah. I bought a t-shirt six months ago and it's ripped. And I go, well, you know, how much did you pay for it? Oh, two ninety nine. And you think, well, <laughs> that says something. But it's that sort of real appreciation for the process makes you value it, makes you look after it. You know, we're talking about waste of the world at the minute. Back in the day, nothing was wasted yeah. because it was expensive. Whereas now we've got into this quick consumerism where it's all cheap. So it just gets chucked in the bin and a new one bought. Whereas a lot of my customers come in for the likes of repair, refurbishments, things like that, especially the old harness. And it's not only giving them a viable product that they can use with an animal to keep it comfortable, safe and happy, but it's also keeping alive that saddler from 50, 60, 100 years ago who did put all that time and effort into making a piece that would last. Gets a bit emotional sometimes you think about things like this. You know, you feel a wee bit like, oh gosh, you know, I'm I'm part of something bigger. But you can only do what you can do, isn't it? You've got to just take one step at a time and keep going in the right direction as I say so long as that's what you're doing that's a good way to live you know no absolutely and I know as you say investing in pieces is so much better and it's one thing I've kind of seen with supporting smaller businesses obviously Mm -hmm. things cost a bit more because it's a person you know like I can chat to you and I know that you have made these products and you put your time and your love into it and I'm like I'd much rather buy that and pay a lot more than go Mm -hmm. to a random fast fashion or whatever yeah because I think yeah because I think as well you're not necessarily just buying a product yeah. from a small business. You're also buying their expertise. Yeah. A lot of saddlers I know, when I go and I talk to them about something, they will rhyme off a library of knowledge in how this particular buckle will suit this strap because of this motion that sometimes you're a bit in awe of what people know. Yeah. But you know, when I speak to a potter, for example, and they start talking to me about clay, I haven't a notion no what they're all. really talking about. They could be talking Dutch to me and I'd be going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can see that they really understand the materials that they're using. They understand the climate of where it's being used. It's a host of information. And the problem with small businesses dying out is that information is being lost. Even with my own trade, we've got trades that have died out that used to support us, whether it be a local blacksmith being able to make exactly that buckle or that hook that you needed. don't exist anymore. And now it's a case of we are very much reliant on the few big, well, when I say big companies, they're like the last companies still all family run and it's relying so much on them and you know it's one of those things that if they go bust we're done for (laughs) so it's a dangerous thing you know it's one of those things that you have all this in the back of your mind and worries about will I still be able to do what I want to do in 50 years time and then somebody rocks through the door gurning about the price of something and you're just like oh no (laughs) you've got to have a very thick skin and a good blank face sometimes (laughs) no matter what it is when it comes to small business I honestly really don't even buy from big business anymore you know you're not just in a profit margin anymore you're helping somebody buy their dinner yeah tax the car things like that I say helps me sleep at night things like that no absolutely like I have to buy the odd time but majority like 99% of all my stuff is all small business and Mm -hmm. everything I'm like Etsy and then shop Mm -hmm. location I'm like Northern Ireland if I can't buy it there I'm like oh I gotta go find it in a physical Mm -hmm. store if you know if I can't get online yeah and I'm always like I gotta do something and that's what I kind of love about chatting to businesses is that mm-hmm. I can find businesses like you and kind of show other people like oh look kind of support Lucy mm-hmm. and even if someone's like okay well I have no need for this but she's really yeah. nice I'm gonna follow her well, and it's all the little things it, as well it really makes me laugh though because the amount of people that come to me and just as we're in the workshop and they're chatting away and they're oh yeah you know we're trying to get this for the wedding and I go you need to go speak to Belfast Bowties and they're yes. like who are they oh, and yeah. I go 
let me tell you about them. Yeah. And it was one of those things that, as I say, I have my approach to girl. I've got yeah. bow ties. I've got flowers. I have so many people. It's one of those things that a lot of them, you know, the only reason I know them is because we've been standing there, you know, having a wee chin wag and yeah. something. And you go, oh yeah, have you seen the price of our, you know, Revolut card transactions have gone up? <laughs> Silly wee things like that. It's one of those things, you know, Etsy, fair enough. There's a lot of people on it, but I'm actually knowing who's in the know you've got to talk to the people who are in yeah. the lifeblood and I find so many people through other people recommending yeah. me oh you go and talk to Siobhan Siobhan's the woman and I yes. go Siobhan is the woman because I think even as small businesses don't get me wrong there's some people that their business is a hobby business which yeah. is no harm to them at all but there's people who fully rely on that income yeah and you're able to know that yes if you put in a massive order of 50 items they'll be there on the next day whereas you know a hobbyist might be like look I only do orders of up to five a week yeah. you know things like that and it's it's even finding are you their right customer because there's times where I've been stood in a hotel and they've been asking me things for xyz and I say well actually maybe you need to go and speak to these people instead because yeah. yes you could get it far cheaper from we'll not say who yes <laughs> but I go well actually this business here they're actually exactly what you're looking for yeah. and you're exactly what they're looking for and it's just that meshing of minds and relationships yeah. and then you get a wee phone call or a wee box of sweeties through the post you think that's good karma for me it's one of those things you do as best you can because you hope everybody else yeah. is doing the same you know yeah, they'll I like the to think everyone well. is yeah mm. I know I love when somebody's like oh I need to buy so and so this do you have anyone in mind and I'm like mm. okay get the podcast page up I'm like what are we what are we <laughs> thinking do you know are we going candles home we're like what's the vibe here oh you should chat to A, B and C that's the way but even like we'll try and go to as many markets and I always spend a mm. fortune like even today we oh, were out dangerous. for we were out for a wee brunch like an event thing mm. And then I saw these cards in the window of like a chemist. And I was like, oh, these look local. And then it was like designed by this girl, Katie or something. And I was like, oh, designed Northern Ireland. I'll have three. Do you know, <laughs> didn't need any of them. And then my friend yeah. also was like, oh yeah, we'll get some of these. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's always, if somebody is anything to do with Northern Ireland, I'm like, oh, just buy just buy this thing I don't need you're good at Christmas anyway you've plenty of gifts for everybody <laughs> oh, I get so excited everyone yeah. gets something local do you know you can't not get something no yeah no. down to Christmas card wrap here everything I can trace well, it, it back it makes me laugh at Christmas the amount of orders I have from the likes of Australia Canada oh, wow. America that it's the Irish dysphoria yes. they are looking for the wee taste of home and it's so funny because they say even when I write an email like obviously you can hear me today you know talking <laughs> I talk the way I write you yeah. know and oh, I'm the same. vice versa they just want to know oh where are you and I go county yeah. down and they go oh do you live near so-and-so and I go yes I do I used to go to their school and they're going oh my goodness we used to go there when I was yeah. a child and I, oh it's just lovely things like that and people you know, they have such deep attachments Mm-hmm. to where they're from yeah or even like their ancestors or other parts of their family there was a woman who was buying this bag for her son who was emigrating to australia okay and she was trying to put their clan imagery oh. on it and all and like i was nearly crying on the phone with her because she was getting so choked up that he was going and i was like please don't make me cry this is not very professional but it's that sort of thing that he was taking a piece of home yeah a piece of his family a piece of his heritage because obviously he was going out there and he wasn't coming back so it's also one of those things that he could have said your granny bought this for me and give it to his children yeah. whenever they were going to 
going off to school or college and I was like oh my god the emotional turmoil here is just oh it's a lot <laughs> oh here people can really really play on your heartstrings sometimes you're like oh no I assume you do this full time but I was gonna say what is an average day is it kind of each day's the same each day's very different like what oh, what do we do every day the only thing I could say to you that happens the same every day is that I go into the workshop and I close the door at the end of the day you wouldn't believe the things that come into my workshop whether it be horsey stuff dog Mm -hmm. stuff people stuff bondage stuff I've had people bringing in medical equipment for uh, animals. You couldn't make it up oh, well, sometimes. Do you know, I hear a lot of people ask me that and they're shocked when I say yes. And as I say, do you know, so long as everybody's healthy, consenting, yes. away you go. And I tell you, <laughs> I the people that walk through my door, I'm sure you have an image of your head of a person oh, yeah, who would be into fetish wear. It's not. It's your Sunday school teacher. It's the librarian. It's, you know... <laughs> the butcher's wife honestly they are just as plain as day there's nothing and you just go do you know what fair play to you if that yeah, gets your engine but... away you go as i say you'd be surprised oh, dear. <laughs> but as i say like as a day-to-day it's pretty much waking up getting the dogs and the horses fed getting yes. up to the workshop and i can tell you in the workshop at the minute i've bridalry there i have handbags there mm-hmm. i have stuff for a photographer friend of mine that i'm designing Designing for him. Amazing. I have I have all the plans for the Christmas stock. <gasps> Amazing. Dangerous, dangerous. I know. Oh, so Can you believe? Exciting. I've paid for the Christmas stands this year already, and That's time flies. It's time fl- well here. It it's was being nice. discussed in March. What was happening at Christmas? Stop it. Like when I go down to the south at Christmas time, it's busy, man. It's busy, busy, busy. Oh, and it's one of those things that you have your regular day to day things yeah. that come in. That you know somebody wants this repaired, or they want a new color for their dog that they've got, whatever. But then you're having somebody send you right. I want ten belts for every member of my family and I want this size and this shape and this color for this one and everything because everything's got that wee personal touch to it when it comes to Christmas because people want to show they've given a wee bit of extra thought so even trying to think in my head how much stock do I need to have held that's made up ready to go versus how many hides do I need to have sitting there somebody once walked into me at a Christmas fair and said I'm going away to I think it was Canada or somewhere to visit my family and I want to bring them all these little handbags. Can you make 15 of them? And I was like, okay, when are you going? And she goes, oh, in a week. And I was Stop. like, huh? It's like, okay. Like, but the thing is, at that point, I was in the middle of a fair trying to think, because a lot of people come up and they order things for on the day and I post it out when I get home. So I was like, I've probably got about five days work here just from the end of this fair. Yeah. Never mind. But here, we got it. We got it knocked out Amazing. and she seemed happy enough. So that was one thing. But it's crazy how one thing can spiral into another. You know, that boss that I worked for back mm-hmm. at Trella, his father ordered sample cases for me. It was one of the biggest jobs I had and it was one of the first big stressful ones I had. But the amount of things that I've gotten off the back of that were, you know, the likes of a designer who's trying to just up their game a wee bit. Yeah. They want a personalized swatch book. Ooh, you know, yes. so whenever they go out to Grand House or something, they can open this swatch book and it's in a nice leather case with all their 
logos and stuff like that. I've done key rings for a classic car club that wanted their wee logo on. And the world's your oyster. If you've yeah. got the skills, it's getting the know-how to apply them and whether or not you want to stay real niche in where you are or whether you can apply those skills to suit a lot of different things. I remember I rang an optician once because I was having a blurry eye. We were talking and I was like, yeah, that's when I'm working. He's, oh, what work do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a saddler. And he went, sorry, I just need you to um, make me some bonnet straps for my car. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's great. But can we sort my eye? Yeah, me first, man. But the amount of times you, know, I've been sitting in an airport with things and the wee lady next to me, she's like, oh, what are you doing? And saying, oh, my satchel. And she goes, oh, I didn't even know they existed. Can I have your business card? I have a wee satchel from when I was a child that Aww. I want fixed up. And I'm like, of course, here you go. A lot of people are just nearly are there just because they're interested in what you do. Yeah. I remember I was going across in the ferry once and my stitching clams, which looked like a giant pair of wooden tweezers, I had tucked under my arm, sort of waiting for the ferry to come in. And this family was just looking me up and down like, what on earth is this? And the guy came over and he goes, can I just ask you what they're for? And I was like, oh yeah, saddler's clams. And I sort of had them in between my knees and I was showing, you know, if I had the needle and thread, I'd be doing yeah. this. I had a bunch of about 10 people standing around me like, that is so interesting. And I was like, there you go. I even go and I would talk about being a saddler at my local primary school where I went oh, to school. Wow. I go around there at Christmas. The way they would learn is through like module learning. Yeah. And their amazing teacher, Miss Brown, hats off to her. She actually teaches the children through donkeys because she is a real donkey woman and she has the vet the fire and myself come in and we talk about what we do how it's a job you know and the children obviously do modules off that where they have to do their literature where they're you write about what you heard today and all this and it's so funny because I have a captive audience the minute I say I made a belt for a big jolly man who has some reindeer at Christmas time and I tell you you could hear a pin drop they're like and I go well I couldn't say that boys and girls but I do know that he was saying that if there's really good boys and girls this year who do their homework and work really hard in school they'll get really nice presents and they were like oh. but even then when I think back to me as a child I never would have thought about being a saddler as horsey girl as I was never would have been but there's maybe a child sitting there one day that thinks do you know actually that's really cool that that's a job and it'll just be a wee seed that grows and bring a bit of saddlery back back to Ireland you know oh, <laughs> I've got the horses we just need the equipment now. <laughs> do you have any big plans for the future like five years time what yeah. is the big big dream so five years time it's going to be a case of having a full range of products that Incredible. can just go out and go you know because it takes so much to develop yeah. them from getting them just a basic prototype to being used and made and how that affects you know the process of manufacturing but the grand scheme is to have a traditional craft school where it's going to be a place where any skill whether it be basket weaving pottery saddlery bow making blacksmithing you can come to this place and be taught and learnt and keep those skills alive because whilst what I do is a heritage craft it's been on and off red lists for endangered craft even the associated trades with us have been on the red list which is a bit scary but it's keeping it alive in people's minds and hearts because I think people are really starting to step back into really have an emotive connection with what they do and even learning how to make stuff themselves because then they can appreciate what I do you know I might make it look easy from time to time but when you do it yourself it's rather difficult but that is the grand scheme whether or not it happens you never know <laughs> that is super exciting well I want to go so I hope it happens and I want to learn all the skills yes <laughs> 
not that I'll be any good at anything, but I want to learn. I, God loves to try. <laughs> so. that, honestly, honestly, <laughs> when I started doing what I do, I was the worst in the class. But I'm not artistic. I'm not handy. I'm not really anyway, you know, good at making functional things. But it's not so much the motivation to start. It's the dedication to keep going. It's the discipline that when it is going wrong, not to throw all the toys out of the pram yes. and never touch it again. Yes. It's going right. Come on, let's look from a different angle. <laughs> exactly. That's the difference between someone giving it a go and somebody making a career out of it. But you'll definitely be on top number one list. You'll be yes. star people by the end of the year. Don't absolutely, worry. Absolutely. <laughs> Isn't Lucy so lovely? I still cannot get over the type of things that she has made before. I was really not expecting it whenever she said it. I'm sure you could tell. But if you want to go and have a look at all of her stuff, it's all linked in the episode notes. And do please go over wherever you're listening to leave this episode with a little rating or review. It really helps the podcast. And I'll be back next week with a brand new episode.